Welcome to the vaccination station. My name is Dave, and today I'm speaking with Sylvia. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Sylvia, can you tell me three things about yourself that you think the audience would find interesting? Well, I'm Romanian. I'm a lawyer. And what is even more interested, interesting, I'm volunteering for promoting vaccination and uh, a responsible living during the pandemic times in Romania. That's really terrific. Thank you. So Romania has been in the news lately due to the problems that she's facing, not only with the pandemic, but with efforts to fight the pandemic. And I understand there's a number of challenges there, which we will discuss in a moment. But to start with, could you describe for me, please, your experience of the pandemic in Romania and how it's affecting the wider public? The pandemic, it's like happening in two universes in Romania. There are people that they're aware, very aware of what's going on. And uh, mostly there are people that they they lost someone they love. Due to, the COVID, due to COVID, and people that even till today, they do not realize the danger, they do not understand what they have to do, and they don't care at all in um, protecting and um, uh, protecting the others and being careful for themselves. Um, my experience was a, a painful and a hard one. I lost my dad because of COVID last year when we didn't have the vaccine yet. I had my mom sick of COVID and thanks God she survived. I lost a lot of friends and a lot of people I care about. And I am still shocked uh, seeing that people around me are not understanding how severe, how bad and uh, how dangerous is what's going on around us. So what do you feel is the the general public response to the pandemic and efforts to fight it? Do you feel that the the public has been largely on board? Are they cooperative? Uh, Are they taking the pandemic seriously? Do they just want to see it over? And how how have they responded to pandemic measures? I will start with the last um, question. Since the beginning of the pandemic, the the response is the same. Um, I think that maybe 70, 75% of the population is still rejecting the protection measures. Uh, If you go out on the street, at least in my hometown, probably you will find two or three people out of 100 that they wear their mask correctly over their mouth and nose. It's still an issue, I don't understand why, but there is still an issue to wear a mask, it's still an issue to disinfect, it's still an issue to keep the social distancing of two two meters from the other person. Um, I I simply believe either people don't understand until they face uh, COVID or some of them probably don't care. Um, Maybe it's a rejection of authority saying you have to do this or that. 
to some of them, yes, it is a rejection of a, an, um, the authority voice. To some of them, um, asking to have empathy and care for other people's lives is too much. Um, there are people that they are not willing to sacrifice even their freedom of not wearing a mask or for the sake of others. Um, I know it sounds bad, <laughs> but this is the truth. And um, yeah, I think it's, um, it's a sign of dignity to be able to, to, to describe the truth and to describe the reality as it is. So yeah, unfortunately, even if I love my country dearly um, and my people dearly, um, the response of the pandemic, it was a big disappointment for me, disappoint, yeah, disappointment for me and for a lot of other people because during a pandemic, you expect empathy, you, respect, you expect respect and you expect, you know, giving up on something just for the person next to you to be alive and to be well. And this didn't happen in here. As I told you, there is an issue. It's a big issue with, with wearing a mask correctly. Even now, almost two years after the pandemic started, it's, it's hard for me to understand anyway. So let's discuss ongoing challenges which have made it difficult for Romanians to tackle the pandemic. Uh, I'm going to start with the underfunded healthcare system, which is quite a well-documented problem in Romania. What is the main issue with the healthcare system? Um, in some countries, of course, you'll find there are you have two main parties, one more liberal, one more conservative, and one says we need more services and more money for them, and the other says no, we need a more robust private sector so we don't have to pay so much from the taxpayer to fund essential services and people can just buy the services that they need. What's the healthcare model that's used in Romania? We have um, a very, let's say, well, a good public uh, healthcare system. We, we, we uh, count on this one because most of the people, they cannot afford um, uh, private care. Um, we do have a, a private sector, but <clears throat> it represents probably less than 10% of the health healthcare services. So it's actually, uh, and it's also actually not involved in the fight against COVID. Um, the COVID uh, situation is tackled only into the public healthcare system, which is obviously underfunded, uh, which is um, not taken care of at all by the politicians of the last uh, three decades, probably. Um, a system that uh, it's seen with a lot of uh, uh, lack of confidence from the public and a system that is looking back to the public with, I should say, a bit of lack of respect. So it's, it's like we don't have a common ground, the public and the healthcare system, where we can stand and trust each other and work, it, work together and do our best to, to, to make things work. Um, Right now, during this pandemic, um, the healthcare system is a nightmare, and I've, I think this is the right word, because um, the healthcare system obviously was not prepared for what is happening today. Um, overcrowded hospitals, not enough doctors, not enough nurses, uh, not enough oxygen machines, not enough anything. So 
it's it's kind of like a worse situation. That's how people working into the system would describe it. Uh, the, the it's like a war zone, and people uh, unfortunately don't trust. Um, they, they don't address to the healthcare system in the in the right time. And right now the hospitals are in probably the worst state uh, that they have been in the last thirty years. Um, I should give you an example. So <clears throat> in an intensive care unit, um, you have everything projected and organized for, let's say, 10 beds. Right now in this kind of hospital, there may be 20 or 30 beds in that intensive care unit, which shouldn't happen, obviously, because you don't have enough resources for that. But it's happening because there is no other option. Um, on the bright side, I should mention that uh, there have been organized some COVID hospitals, exclusive COVID hospitals that are treating all kinds of, uh, of uh, conditions. For example, they can accept pregnant women with COVID in a, in a difficult state or uh, oncologic patients or um, patients with other kinds of, uh, of conditions uh, that they have COVID. And there are hospitals specialized in helping these specific patients but again, no one was expecting uh, the wave of, um, of COVID patients. No one was expecting such a high number. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going outside my house and I, all day long, I'm just listening to ambulances. I don't think in my hometown, there are more like 12 or 20 ambulances. And they are just, you can hear them nonstop running from a hospital to a, a house, from a house to a hospital. It's uh, it's it's like a war zone, to be honest with you. It's like a war zone. The, the people I know working into the system, they are telling me that they have never seen so much death like they've seen in the last month. So yeah, it's um, it's scary, it's a nightmare. And uh, honestly, I believe we need help. <laughs> and I think that the government shouldn't delay to ask for this help. We really, really need help. So you've got an underfunded healthcare system that's been underfunded for, for some years. Normally in a typical situation, what you would find is that one political party would uh, use this as, a lead, as leverage in their campaigns. They would say, well, we vote for us and we will restore funding to the healthcare system. And they'll make various promises about what needs to be done and how they can do it and the kind of money that they will inject into the system and where it's coming from. Is there any particular reason why this hasn't happened? I mean, you, I would have thought that rebuilding an essential service like public health care, especially in a country where private health care is so underrepresented, I would have thought that would be a, a huge election issue and that voters would be calling for it pretty much every year. Oh, yeah, it should be in a, in a, in a normal world. Yeah, it should be the case. But unfortunately, if... If I tell you that in the last 30 years, the only hospital, a real hospital, like a real, real hospital, not like a two, uh, two rooms hospital, a big one, a real hospital that has been built, the only one in the last 30 years has been built with public donations. It sounds mental, but this is the truth. It is that bad. Um, and now the healthcare system has been a subject of a lot of um, political campaigns. There was a party that has been, um, insisting very much um, into this matter, but unfortunately they didn't um, 
they are not the majority party uh, in the parliament, so their voices are very unlikely to uh, change something. Probably it's, this happens because uh, Romanians, uh, the population, haven't seen this as a priority from the political point of view. Yes, they see it, oh, this should be done or something should be done, but they don't demand it. They don't uh, transform this into a priority. People know uh, this is how they have been learned for the last 30 years. You need to go to a doctor. You have to have some money to give the doctor a bribe and um, you're going to be fine. And this interest, this particular interest only for um, your own health or what's going on with you uh, in, when you go to a doctor and not expanding the interest to the healthcare system, to what's going on to the healthcare system in your town and so on. Um, I think that's the reason, the lack of interest of a public, the lack of... Um, um, the lack of a voice of the public from this point of view, um, the um, continuous uh, bad choices, political bad choices. And in Romania, we say, oh, it is what it is. We, this is how we are used to, to uh, not demand, not to fight for something more than we have, not to request something that it's right. Uh, in this case, um, the, a better healthcare system. But to, um, you know, uh, lift our shoulders and say, oh, it is what it is. We, if we survive till now, we will survive from now on. Well, the last few months just proved to us that is not the case. So um, I hope that this will become a priority in the future. I'm afraid it won't. <laughs> but maybe I'm too pessimistic from this point of view. So, um yeah, um, if you listen to every single political speech in the last 30 years, everyone is like, we, we will build hospitals. The public sees that no one is building the hospitals, but yet they vote for the same people. So it's a bit of, I don't know how to call it <laughs> in a psychiatric language. <laughs> we, we do the same and we expect different results. And this is, as far as I remember, a definition of insanity. So... Um, I hope that COVID will teach us a lesson. I hope. So the issues that we've we've looked at then, the, the ongoing challenges facing Romania, we've got an underfunded healthcare system. There's a lack of public trust in government. There's a lack of public trust in doctors. And compounding this and, and interwoven through it all is the corruption in politics and also the healthcare system itself. And all of that massively reduces public confidence in the very institutions which are supposed to be safeguarding them and helping them to, to survive this pandemic. Is that a, a fair overview of the situation? Yes, I, I don't think that anywhere else in the world you're going to hear things like, oh, the doctors are trying to kill us. There were there had been demonstrations in front of hospitals calling the doctors criminals, and I, I I was very angry about that. But this is a perception of a public, the lack of trust motivated by a grey past uh, from this point of view of a, a grey past with corruption, as I mentioned before, transformed all the perceptions towards doctors in something, in in basically lack of trust, completely lack of trust. I don't think also that the doctors have the, the power and the energy to communicate to the public to its own level. And people are demanding uh, 
too many answers sometimes. Um, but I believe that the, the lack of trust in, in, um, in the medical profession is so high uh, that reached the point, as I mentioned uh, on, before, of considering doctors some criminals. Not very uh, rarely you're going to hear things like, oh, I'm not going to the hospital, I'd rather die at home because they will definitely call, uh, kill me in the hospital. Or, oh my God, they want to take me to the hospital to put me oxygen, and when they put me oxygen, actually, they're going to kill me. Yeah, they are seeing, um, some people are seeing uh, hospitals and doctors worse than they see the possibility of dying of COVID. So um, that's actually one of the main reasons that brought us to this situation, because not many, um, and I'm complaining <laughs> about that, not many doctors, but a few, came out to the public and explained, even from the beginning of the pandemic, what we should do how we should uh, respond to the pandemic, what each individual has to do to tackle the pandemic. But because it's lack of trust, I think people just refused to, to listen and to behave accordingly. Um, yeah, the, the, the lack of trust, I think, is one of the main reasons of um, over 500 deaths that we have daily. So. Let's discuss vaccine hesitancy and anti-vax propaganda in Romania, because I understand that is a significant problem, which has also played into the, the pandemic and efforts to fight it. What can you tell me about anti-vax propaganda in Romania? Where is it coming from and how persuasive has it been? Well, the um, anti-vax propaganda, I think, started a few years ago. It's not something new, but became more acute, obviously, into this um, uh, environment of, uh, of a COVID. A few years ago, I think it's a movement that started all over the world, got very, very strong in here. And um, as I talked to you before, we're starting seeing again cases of TB, of um, measles, uh, diphtheria, of diseases that in the rest of a civilized world, they are existing just in the medical books. Obviously, everything exploded, all the anti-vax movement exploded in the last year since we have a COVID, um, since we have COVID vaccines. And everything was very well supported by one of the yeah, political parties that we have in the parliament, heavily funded by Russian politicians that created an anti-vax movement combined with a very, very nationalistic sentiment. Obviously, there is um, um, the party found into the anti-vax movement a very good uh, electoral uh, opportunity. And obviously, the big numbers of voters justify their uh, entrance in the parliament. Their speech is based mainly on that. We should love our countries. We are real Romanians. We don't vaccinate. We don't wear masks. COVID doesn't exist. This is a speech you hear from 24-7 on absolutely every single TV station, very violently promoted in mass media, very violently promoted in every single um, social media uh, platform. And people are reacting. People are reacting because, as I said before, they don't trust the doctors. And they are just very, very influenced by this nationalistic, religious, anti-vax movement that it's making them feel important or it's making them feel they belong somewhere. People are finding this 
propaganda credible because it comes from sources that they consider credible and because it's been carefully entwined with the politics that they find credible, as you say, the the nationalistic flavour, which is, you know, fairly understandable. We're seeing that in other countries in the world, particularly in, in the USA. And again, like the USA, the role of the mass media is very strong here. They're, they're amplifying the message, making it much louder and more widespread than it would otherwise have been. Has there been much pushback in the mass media, other branches of the mass media, against this messaging? No. Actually, I think the mass media is the, the most guilty, let's say, um, part into all this anti-tax movement because every single TV station, almost every single TV station in prime time, they just show this message. They have, there is no um, news that they don't have something about these uh, anti-vax propaganda leaders. They are invited to every single show, to every single important show. They are even invited to debate the issue of vaccines with doctors. Uh, and with all the respect, you know, I mean, if you're not a doctor, I mean, why should what should you debate with a doctor? It, it, it's absolutely mental. Shaming the doctors, shaming science, calling them names. And still, this is happening every day in mass media and no one is doing anything about that. I'm not in favor of censorship, but I'm in favor of protecting um, the truth, the, the scientific truth, the protecting the population, protecting the public safety. And we just have a storm of fake news coming over us for over a year and a half, and there's no change about that. This is one of uh, one of the main um, uh, causes that pushed so many Romanians to to uh, refuse vaccination. And this propaganda was not happening only in the media, uh, even if the media it's the biggest platform that offered them a voice. This propaganda was happening, unfortunately, in our national church. Uh, Romania, it's um, a Christian nation. And unfortunately, the message that was coming from the church was a very weak one sometimes, or a very strong one against vaccination or against all the measures. Just to make you understand how the situation is, right now there are restrictions in place in Romania Restrictions regarding wearing a mask, having a vaccination certificate or going with a vaccination with a green pass to some public places. The church is accepted from all of these measures. I believe, (laughs) I believe it's mental to be honest with you. I mean, everywhere else people have to respect some rules except the church. Uh, COVID is happening in there as well. A lot of priests have died. And still the message promoted by the church, it's, it, 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 it's not the right one. We had priests coming on TV saying, oh, if you're vaccinating, you're going to grow feathers. Y- yes, and, um, or a fishtail or something. It, we transform this in a national joke, but this is not a joke because people are dying. People are believing that and people are refusing something that ultimately will, can, can save their life. Media is the main, uh, I, I believe it's, um, it's, it's the most guilty part, but they're after the media, everyone is coming, tumbling down. I believe that media gave a voice to irresponsibility. 
And that was a national suicide from the healthcare point of view. That was our national suicide. That was the moment that defined and, and changed Romania from uh, a country that can tackle, that can have a good COVID um, response to the nation that is today, that it's having hundreds of deaths, that it's um, having still the lowest um, vaccination rates, and that has hospitals that they really, really, really can cannot handle the situation. So with regard to political messaging, have there been any political parties that have been explicitly anti-vax and use that as part of their political platform? Yes, um, there is a party, it's AUR's party. We called it gold party because our means gold in Romanian. Um, it's a party I mentioned before. It's a party with a very pro-Russian um, attitude, pro-nationalistic uh, and uh, uh, fanatical religious uh, approach. Uh, they are very anti-vax or very any responsible measures that should be taken in this um, a pandemic. Even their leaders, they are coming on, on TV saying, oh, there is no proof that COVID exists. Yes, in October 2021, there is still this um, absolutely crazy speech from them. On the opposite side, there is a party called USR, a party that had a vaccination campaign as a political campaign. Every single uh, banner you see from them, every single speech is to beg people to vaccinate mainly. Well, it's, um, it's not a surprise that... <laughs> <laughs> they don't have too many voters, but their message was loud, was clear, and um, was created with a lot with a lot of respect and responsibility for for human lives. If we would we would have elections today, I was talking to uh, to someone that if, if we would have elections today, I believe that that party, that anti-vax party, I was mentioning before, it will probably be able to form a government itself. Yeah, this is how, how far away their influence and their propaganda reached. So what's the current state of the government's vaccination drive? How is it being rolled out and what measures has the government taken to persuade people to get vaccinated or to make it easier for people to get vaccinated? First, I have to say that when the vaccines appeared, um, I'm very proud to say that the government has had 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 been um, had the best acquisition politic. Uh, Romania had all the vaccines possible in more than enough quantities. The um, uh, encouraging for vaccination it was kind of light, uh, almost um, unseen in media, almost unseen in social media. Um, and the rhythm was slow, but, you know, the government just believed that the pandemic is over. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but I remember in the summer, our president came out and said, well, I believe we just defeated the pandemic. And it was, it was too premature to say that. that. That was shown in the statistic that the, um, the vaccinations rhythm has fallen even lower. And this... <laughs> completely, you know, uh, nonchalant attitude of a government towards vaccination was consistent till 
probably September when the number of infection uh, jumped up because, you know, this is what happens with viral infections in autumn, at least in Romania. Sometimes I believe that the government was not aware of what's going on in the country. Sometimes I believe that they got the wrong statistic. I don't know, because I don't have a logical explanation. I mean, the percents were there. They, everyone could see the low rates of vaccination. Everyone saw the um, uh, anti-vax propaganda that was going stronger and stronger, and yet no measure had been taken. The restrictions were, were almost lifted in the summer. Everyone went to the seaside. Everyone went to holidays. Everyone behaved like COVID just suddenly you know, disappeared. And right now, we have a governmental crisis as well, a, p- a political crisis. And during this crisis, they, I, I believe they don't know what to do. They don't know how to react. Uh, some new measures, some new restrictions were imposed starting with today, but they should have been in place probably months ago. The vaccination rate is getting high because uh, the restrictions are including the lack of uh, activities you can do without um, a vaccination certificate. So yes, we have numbers like 100,000 vaccinations daily or 120,000 vaccinations daily, but this number is more, especially when there are so many people infected. Some doctors are estimating that if we go in the same rhythm of vaccinations, probably in December, we can, we can be optimistic. Right now, even these high numbers are not making a lot of difference. Um, because, um, as I, as I mentioned, so many people infected, so many people uh, in the hospitals, and uh, it really doesn't make a, make a difference. And the government, I don't think it knows how to approach that. I think they are overwhelmed. I think it's a very good time for them to ask for help. And I have, I, I have a feeling that they have to admit that they have been defeated by this situation. And as I mentioned before, they should ask for help from, I don't know, nations that they handle it better, professionals that they handle it better. And also, I sincerely believe that in the Minister of Health, in the Minister of Defense, in the organizations that are dealing with the public health, they should be only and only professionals and not just simple members of the party, not just people, oh, I know the prime minister, oh, I'm becoming the minister of something, of health. It's not working like that. We need real professionals that they can take drastic measures, probably very, very difficult measures, probably measures that they will mean a political suicide. I don't know, but someone has to do something like what happened in France months ago. Something, someone has to say, you know, that's it. We have to do that. I don't care how many people will hate me. I don't care how many people will vote for me for, to the next elections. We have to save lives. I think this is a correct attitude. The government should have, forget about everything else, concentrate on saving lives. In some countries, including the US and even Australia, there's been a bit of a, a black market in fake vaccine certificates. Now, in Australia, though, it hasn't occurred in numbers significant enough to be a real problem. And the people who have attempted that have been caught very quickly and shut down. Is that sort of thing happening in Romania? And if so, on what sort of scale? Yes. Um, yes, unfortunately, this is another issue we have to deal with. The scale, it's maybe bigger even 
than we can imagine. Because uh, the system is somehow simple. This is mainly happening with the vaccination with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine because it's a one-dose vaccine. So uh, I will explain to you how is it happening. I haven't seen it, I haven't done it, but you know, <laughs> people are going to places like a GP because a GP surgeries can also vaccinate uh, patients. And instead of having the jab in their shoulder, they have it in a sink. That's why we kind of, you know, cheeky call the vaccination, the sink vaccination, uh, where people don't get the actual job and they just get a vaccination certificate. And um, their number can be bigger than we can imagine. Uh, the number can be bigger than we, we know, but this phenomenon is real. It's, it's very bad, oh, not to mention illegal, and it's very damaging on the trust issues uh, for vaccines. Uh, because we have situation when people that they have this kind of fake vaccination, they go to hospital with severe forms of COVID. Uh, in the books, they look vaccinated. And in the statistics, they will be like severe forms of COVID of vaccinated people or death of vaccinated people when they are actually not vaccinated. Um, yes, uh, there are happening cases like, well, the patients going to the hospitals and on their deathbeds, they admit, oh, I haven't been vaccinated, I should vaccinate for real. But this is not helping because the statistics is damaged and people are like, oh, look, there are still cases of people dying even if they are fully um, COVID vaccinated. So, yeah, it's a phenomenon that I don't know how the government is planning to handle or to deal with because um, the people that they are supposed to deal with this kind of phenomenon, um, like police, different investigation units, themselves, they are, they are, they are vaccinated probably in a percent of 50, 51, 52. So the police forces, they are vaccinated, maybe half of them. I personally know people that they work in the right departments of the police, but they are very, uh, they are promoting a, a very strong anti-vax propaganda. So how can I ask from these people to handle the situation of illegal vaccination certificates? Well, I don't know <laughs> if the prime minister doesn't have the answer. If the, if the people that they are governing Romania, they don't have the answers. Well, a simple citizen like me cannot have the answers. But um, it's one of the problems that we are dealing with now. And um, hopefully, hopefully um, people will give up on doing this kind of uh, irresponsible acts um, by seeing what's going on around them. Mainly the people, you know, the, the, the gossip is that this kind of certificate doesn't cost more than 100 euro. And sometimes this 100 euro means the death of your mother, your child, your, your own death. Uh, I don't think people realize how damaging this is and how, um, how can you affect so many lives with such an irresponsible act. But... I think that this is an, another proof of, of lack of empathy and lack of respect for the life of people around you, unfortunately. You uh, suggested earlier in, in this interview that Romania really needs some kind of outside help from a, an, another nation, maybe a neighbouring nation, 
that has the capacity to provide assistance, whether in the form of uh, medical supplies, logistics, staff, this kind of thing. Uh, do you, can you think offhand of, of any nation that, that uh, the Romanian people would be happy to accept as a as a sort of a, a rescuer? I mean, you've, I'm not aware of the types of relationships you have, have with your neighbours, but Serbia is right next door and they their vaccine rollout was very successful. And although they're a much smaller country, they did buy, uh, I think they actually ended up buying more vaccines that they, than they needed. And they're the kind of country that has the resources to, to deliver those vaccines and, and provide you with assistance if you need it. Would that be a viable option or, or would that be seen as too much of a, a loss of, of uh, dignity by the Romanian public and the Romanian government? No, um, no, it, it wouldn't be seen like that. But um, one thing, it has to be clear, Romania has enough vaccines. Uh, it has so many that when you go to a vaccination center, you're able to choose the vaccine you want. As we were talking before, it's like you're going to an ice cream shop. Oh, I want strawberry. No, I want chocolate. Oh, no, I want Moderna. I want Pfizer. I think I would go for Johnson & Johnson's today. So this is a kind of options we have. And from this point of view, we are very lucky. We are, we are more than lucky. <laughs> there are nations that they don't have, have even one vaccine that are begging for them. And we have so many that we can choose. Which one? we would like. Another thing about the help, well, let's not forget we are, we are part of European Union. So we are members of a big community uh, that can help and it's, it's actually helping. Um, we sent some very, uh, some patients with severe forms of COVID in Hungary, in Poland. And I think that if the, the, the help of European Union will be requested, there will be absolutely no refusal from anyone of any nation, of any organizations or whatever. We just have to ask. We need people with experience how to deal with this situation, that preferably someone that have deal, dealt before with a, with a situation of this kind. We need doctors, nurses, whoever is able to help with the increased wave of infections. We need good communicators to explain what vaccine means and how, how important and how they can change and save our lives. Um, I think the, the, the health has to be asked. We have more than anyone else uh, from the point of view of resources. Um, again, European Union, um, it's, it's our family. It's not just a partner. It's our family, and uh, definitely, definitely, we will we will get the help we need, and not only from them. As you mentioned, I'm sure that Serbia can can help. I'm sure everyone can help handling this situation. But right now, we need places in hospitals. We need oxygen, and that's kind of all. There is. Um, I'm going back to things we don't need. We don't need jobs because we have plenty. And um, I think we have the right therapies as well. We just do not literally have places in hospitals. We do not have uh, human resources to handle with uh, all the situations. Um, for example, right now, the people uh, that they um, have symptom, uh, COVID symptoms, they call the ambulance, the ambulance is coming to test them. If the, if the result is positive and they have a specific um, oxygen saturation in their blood, they stay home. Sometimes it's not the best um, saturation, oxygen saturation rate, but 
in the hospital there is place for severe cases and nothing more. Uh, let's not forget that winter is coming. There is, a, there is a lack of heat in the hospitals. Some hospitals are built as, um, you know, improvised hospitals like war hospitals intense and stuff like that and uh, there is no heat in there I, I i wish i wish our government demand help our government is right now trying to sort out the governmental crisis which we shouldn't be into in the first place because as i said before this is a time to save lives and nothing else hopefully hopefully help will come well, Sylvia, this has been a very informative, uh, but also an extremely sobering interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to explain the situation to me. I really hope things start to turn around in Romania. I really hope that the government requests the, the assistance that's required. And uh, it would be nice if the EU was a little more proactive, maybe just started taking some more significant measures to just go in there and get stuff started. But yes, thank you very much for your time, especially as someone who is living with the situation on a day-to-day basis. I do thank you for your interest and I do thank you for your time. And I, I, I thanks to everyone that is listening to us. And um, um, I beg everyone to vaccinate. <laughs> the pandemic lasted too long. We are tired. We, are, we lost our loved ones. No matter if you're in Australia, in Romania, in I don't know, France, UK or America, just vaccinate, just, just vaccinate, please. And thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for your time and your interest as well. My pleasure.